conditions we are currently experiencing. I am mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and academically developed and acutely aware of the condition of African people throughout the entire world. We don't want fortune, we don't want popularity, we want power. Power. And power comes only from the organized masses. What's up, everybody? Um, welcome to a very special episode of 1919 Radio. Um, you might be hearing this for the first time on a couple of different platforms, but my name is Caleb, and I am an organizing member with 1919, and I am joined by... Hi, guys. My name is Shanhat. I'm also an organizer with 1919. Um, and we're looking forward to this special episode on our radio platform today. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, I know it's been a while since we've uh, uploaded on here, but we're hoping to change that. Um, got some cool stuff coming, um, but this episode kind of takes things back for a, a formal introduction of Nat 19 um, and kind of telling our audience and our community about um, who we are, just to give you a better understanding of what we do, who we serve um, in our political manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, Nineteen Nineteen Magazine is a independent uh, and critical editorial publication run by a small group of black students and organizers and youth just providing spaces for um, our community to produce cultural work, to organize, um, and to ground together and to see like themselves experience uh, themselves and their experiences are reflected in print and other art forms. Um, to get started, um, I'll tell you guys about, I guess, how Nazi Nazi was started. So we're going on, so 2022 is five years. So at the end of 2023, it'll be um, six years since Nazi has been founded. And it's really, it really was a response to three different sources of frustration I was feeling um, in my community, uh, at my university, at my school, and then just within the arts and within the arts institution and industry in Canada. Um, so I think first and foremost, Nazi-Nazi is a response to racist and elitist media organizations and art institutions in Canada that don't really value um, the history or stories of Black and other Indigenous racialized peoples. Um, like response to inequalities of uh, access uh, black and racialized people's face in their neighborhoods in regards to not just learning opportunities and obviously the material conditions um, the state um, uh, limits us to have and what we're forced to um, live through but also just like learning opportunities and access to arts-based practices and programs that simply do not exist if you live and grow up in poverty in the western world and lastly, nineteen response to just the overwhelming, overwhelmingly um, Eurocentric and anti-Black educational solutions that are primary, secondary, post-secondary level that institutionalize and monopolize knowledge production through a European canon, through a Eurocentric canon. Um, I think this is a big thing that informs all of the work we do. Our center isn't um, 
the Imperial Belly where we live, our centers in Europe, but we um, really direct that center or orient that center on the places and the histories and the people that have taught us before. Um, so we challenge this idea in our magazine by only focusing on the knowledge production and knowledge transfer of Black communities. We hope for that to continue to be our center and we hope for that to continue like to inform our work. Uh, mm-hmm. And then lastly, I'd say we're focusing on addressing the needs of these communities because we understand that um, our communities continue to feel the violent effects of global colonialism. And as we've kind of mentioned before in a lot of our other like um, radio programs, episodes that like we still remain like subjugated under a multicultural state, like here in Canada, wherever you live in the imperial world, in the Western world, where whiteness is still the key to opportunity and power. And this force, uh, this fact is reinforced by traditional media every day. And we hope 1919 to be a little bit of a challenge to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting to see like where this organization kind of started in 2017 and like how um, we're able to continue in our work just by the fact that we're kind of grounded on these central principles um, that Caleb is talking about. Um, these are also kind of the things that brought me into this organizing group a couple years ago, just um, the same kind of like frustrations, the same type of um, exclusion or like just kind of like my experience in like institutionalized education and how I wanted to seek out um, like kind of just knowledge building and learning and grounding with people um, like from my own background, people that are coming from the same conditions as me um, and that are kind of trying to um, pin themselves in certain principles and um, ideological understandings of what our conditions are and how we seek to like um, kind of build community. So a lot of people always ask us about like what 1919 is, what we do, um, what's it about? So it's really important for us to have our political and ideological goals very clear to our audience Um, because these principles kind of ground everything that we do from our magazine issues to our like community engagement projects. So first and foremost, we are grounded in anti-capitalist, anti-racist, and abolitionist systems of thought. Um, These are informed by critical historical class analysis of transnational struggle, and obviously in the pursuit, the constant pursuit of decentralized and decolonial radical community building. So what does this mean? It means that at the heart of 1919 is the need to partake in and encourage liberatory ways of thinking. Um, And we do that specifically through encouraging dreaming and reimagination, which we find are kind of central principles to abolitionist thought. Um, There's like a realistic understanding that we're currently not free in our conditions and freedom requires a collective rejection of our present and the constant effort to reimagine a better future for us all. And this means that our publication is grounded upon this history um, of freedom building and um, reimagination and thinks through what a print publication means for grassroots voices um, within African and African diaspora communities today. And fundamentally going back to why 1919 started there has always been this disconnection, a disconnection and an agenda of erasure uh, sanctioned by the state and aiming to limit and restrict our African and African diaspora communities speaking and grounding with each other in public 
uh, and in private, in the classroom, and text, in our communities, and just in general. So our platform kind of tries to occupy, occupy the space, um, different spaces in media. And I guess we'll take a little bit of time now to explore how these different elements of our organizing kind of work together in tandem to help deliver our messaging and our programming in general. So I think starting with our magazine makes the most sense. So And that's what we're most known for. Um, so we have a print and digital publication that brings together just the voices of all the different actors in our community. We have students, youth, um, elders, and adults just coming together to share the art, um, to share their stories, to share their critique, just in conversation with each other, in conversation with the reader, and in conversation with their fellow community member. Um, we've been publishing this magazine um, for the last five years. We have um, the first three were in digital. Uh, the first three were strict, like, strictly digital, and the last three were in print. Um, and you can find these on our website. Some of the topics and these issues that we explored include reimagining community, transnational solidarities, communal care and healing, explorations of home, displacement, migration, uh, abolitionist practices, um, incarceration, and many more topics and themes that I think you guys will enjoy. So head over to Night's Night Team, you know, after this. Um, and yeah, we, we want to always focus on any my publishing work that allows artists and culture workers, students, writers, again, all these people in our community to amplify their voice and to really open a space for dialogue, recognition, and learning in our communities. I think one thing that like like we really care about is generating collective spaces for learning in every outlet of our work. And that doesn't mean you're going to be arguing with someone who doesn't agree with you, but it does mean um, there's so much room for us to challenge each other and to really like work through difficult questions and difficult tasks. And we hope our platform could be a space for that. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is that like our magazine is, is growing every year, which is really exciting to see. Um, and that means like kind of what Khaled's saying, we hope to like expand, um, alongside it and try to we're going to try to like animate these magazines more and more um, whether that's with like screenings or film screenings better launch events um, hopefully some like exhibits um, and kind of showcasing the work in our community because if you look at our um, magazines every year it's growing um, and the quality of work has always been amazing and it just showcases how much amazing cultural work um, people are engaging with in our communities and that there's like a space for it to be shown and for it to be um, kind of celebrated. And we want to be the print magazine that the independent print magazine that gets to celebrate this work um, across, Facts. across, you know, Canada, across North America, across Turtle Island in general. And I guess when we're talking about print and art and um, art being a very important place in which we can build community power and um, kind of learn together um, it's coming from a place where we know that essentially art is the means by which we can kind of catalyze our community spirit, um, even stimulate political education, build community power and action. Um, art and cultural production utilized as a method of knowledge sharing and communication dissemination has really historical roots um, for Africans and African diasporic people as like a really effective way 
um, as, as well as a rapid way of spreading information and mobilizing people. So 1919 is kind of grounded on this idea that the print publication is not only beautiful, it's a great art form, but it's critical. Um, we understand that the evolution of the printing press has been like a very fundamental tool, both for society and significantly the state and their attempts to manufacture consent in the production of news and media. So we've seen like historically pamphlets, flyers, newsletters, these have all been critical elements aiding black freedom struggles internationally because of their ability to mass communicate messages, ask questions and critique um, political conditions in the public space. Uh, so black freedom movements have utilized art as well as the printing press as principal instruments in uh, our struggle. And 1919 wants to kind of follow in this tradition and in this lineage and uh, use like black grassroots press as like a way to connect art and resistance. And we know the potential it can have in mobilizing a people to take action on our conditions and kind of bridge that gap between art and political action. Yes, thank you, Chef, for that. I think understanding the history of Black freedom struggles is very important for 1919 because I think one thing is that um, although, like we said, we're most known for our print magazines and we are a print magazine and we are a digital publication, that's not all that we are. Um, we don't see ourselves as just um, an outlet for or an outlet for platform and culture production. We also see ourselves aiming to be a voice to contributing to this movement contributing to the grassroots work that's going on. And so one of the ways we do that is through uh, our platform, 1919 Radio. Um, 1919 Radio was actually initially started probably back um, in 2018 or 2019. I don't remember, but we started to challenge anti-Black club spaces in Toronto, which is one of our um, like home cities by hosting a community-based platform for independent DJs. Um, this was kind of an initiative aiming to give back creative control to artists and DJs who were looking for opportunities where their independence was respected and their work was very compensated. Um, and we kind of took this original like idea of 1990 Radio and kind of incorporated into the rest of the kind of more interdisciplinary framework we hold um, that has to do with education and cultural production. So we introduced conversations on our radio um, during 2020 and that's just the kind of like conversations with um, speakers um, we had a couple scholars shout out to Jared Ball, Jamie Pierre, Simone Brown all those guys um, we brought them on at different points in our radio and just to kind of ground and connect all of our projects is fundamentally rooted in anti-colonial resistance uh, radical, political radical political education and extensive like, cooperative community power um, although we don't, we didn't lose that element of music, um, the element of that kind of like that art form, which is really important to our community, which is really important to us as well. And it's just important to black people as well, because I think we, we know there's like in every city, not just Toronto, like there's a growing, or I guess there's a shrinking list of safe spaces, um, for black people to gather communal, communal spaces where art and present is valued, where instead um, most times we find our art mind as material, mind as an aesthetic, uh, while we remain tokenized in institutions and in spaces by um, the establishment, by the industry, by staff, by owners and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
And we also hope that like their evolving vision for 1919 Radio will kind of grow, uh, continue to grow alongside some of our other projects that we're working on um, in this like effort to build, like we've said, kind of decentralized learning spaces, um, which is also just critical just in terms of how 1919 is organized. Like Caleb said, we have kind of like two chapter cities, one in Calgary um, and one in Toronto and hopefully growing in Edmonton as well. So it's really important that we create and cultivate a decentralized learning spaces um, and 1919 radio along with like other um, projects that we're working on are kind of hopefully gonna be the home for that. Um, it's just this past year, we launched what was the first iteration of a community learning initiative um, that we've been working on and trying to launch for quite some time called the Community Syllabus. Um, and this was a space where we invited members in our community um, to read this text, Asada Taught Me by Donna Merch in a five-week reading circle program. Um, and we got to read and discuss the text um, and explore like major themes in the book, including policing, mass incarceration, war on drugs, youth mobilization, surveillance. And we just like really kind of sat together weekly or bi-weekly and interrogated like a lot larger themes, connections to abolition, revolution, internationalism, anti-colonial struggle, all these things over the course of this reading circle, um, which is a really, really amazing experience for all of us um, and a really like interesting and exciting way to, to learn alongside our peers and alongside um, pe people in our community. And we understand that like the learning never really ends and it's it's our responsibility to be in constant pursuit of building these learning spaces um right. so yeah we were able to kind of bridge connections to different materials we've encountered in our political education and exchange resources with people um and this year we really hope to further this community syllabus program and um bring more like text and community activation um kind of experiences um, to our community members, kind of like bridging this gap between like what we're reading and how we're um, taking action in our communities, kind of in an effort to create more spaces for Black youth, African diasporic youth that are excluded and shut out um, and essentially miseducated by our like colonial education systems and the people that are in charge of our learning um, and kind of like find a space where people can um, learn, alternatively learn, learn with each other, teach one another about our political conditions and kind of seek radical pathways to alternative futures for ourselves. And um, yeah, we really hope that these different ways that we activate 1919 political principles can kind of show themselves in these different projects um, and, and continue to grow and be sustainable. Um, and speaking of sustainability, um, I guess we can talk a little bit more about like 1919 and how we sustain our work um, and how you can support 1919 work. So Cal, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yes, I will. I think the only thing I'll mention um, before we get into that is like, and I know we kind of talked a lot about our publication and like how we're granted upon this history of like what a print publication means for grassroots voices within African communities today, diasporic and on the continent. Um, but like going back to why 1919 started, there's, there's always been a, a disconnection, like, right? So there's always been an agenda of erasure sanctioned by the state, aiming, aiming to limit and restrict African communities speaking and grounding each other in public. 
um, in private, like classroom, and like Shen said, in the classroom and in text. And I think one thing that's like important to us, like we have, we look back and we see these people that have laid the pave, like laid the way for us, and our ancestors have led us. And so, speak of groundings, we call back on the work of Walter Rodney, who coined that term in his book, "The Groundings My Brothers." Um, to Rodney, like groundings meant breaking out of academic isolation and engaging in mutual exchange of knowledge with those struggling on the ground. Um, that's critical for us. I think, um, like Shen briefly talked about the community syllabus, we talked about the radio, we talked about the publication. Um, everything we do is for the people in our community. Everything we do is for the people um, where we come from. Um, I think, although we've had our, we've all had our experiences in university and formal education, I, I think the limitations are very clear. Um, Mm-hmm. that's really not a space where we'll, we'll be getting free no matter how hard we try. And so I think yeah. it's critical for us to take that information outside the institution and into the street. Um, and we've been able to do that um, to an extent so far, um, like, like I mentioned earlier, but all these scholars who are some of the leading scholars in black geographies or in their field, like um, maybe um, like Jimmy Perry, Jimmy Perry studies and works um on Haitian affairs, we really want to bring that knowledge to our community. So, um, yeah, just a, a last note on that, Shen, as well as anything if you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's really like what you're talking about in terms of our own personal experiences, whether in higher education or in workspaces. Um, and the fact of the matter is that a lot of obviously information about um, our conditions, our political realities, are are really not accessible. But maybe the language is not accessible or it's coded, um, but at the end of the day, Black people, African diaspora people, immigrant people in this country um, are very aware of our conditions. Um, we've, we, we have the language to express the systems that we're living under, we're frustrated, um, and it's just a matter of seeking the community and the people that exist around you that also feel the same way and building knowledge and building power through that. Um, and there are people like you, there are people that, um, want to seek alternative futures that want to learn and ground um, and put what they know and understand about how we live and what's wrong with the ways that we live and you know all those things they want to put that into action they want to put that into communal learning um, and want to build communities so this is kind of hopefully um, going to resonate with some people and and hopefully encourage you to seek out any type of revolutionary long-term action whether whatever that looks like to you and whatever seems fit whether that's like joining a book club or reading radical literature or seeking out community spaces like that at 1919 you don't have to be um, a cultural worker specifically or an artist or a, a amazing writer um, to seek out communities like this or to be part of our our community um, spaces like this are really important um, to know that they exist i know for me it was very important and and very um uh, it was really nice to know that a space like this existed. I'm sure for you, Caleb, it's been like really critical to just your political education, to my political education. Um, and it's it's really important for us to seek out community. So um, yeah, that's all we wanted to add. Um, and yeah, and I guess in terms of supporting us, like it's supporting radical um, action and supporting long-term kind of revolutionary action for leftist publications like 1919. There's many ways that we can kind of like cultivate sustainability for ourselves. And we want to do that in ways that kind of align with our principles and um, 
our best fit for what we're trying to do and um, our political goals and intentions. So yeah, um, we have a couple of different ways that we go about doing that. If you wanted to talk about that, Caleb. So I think one obviously is an independent culture production flat platform. Um, we're struggling like everybody else. The struggle is not something like we run away from because I think for struggling, that means you have a pretty good idea of the contradictions we exist in um, as a radical organization, as a black radical organization in a capitalist neoliberal society, which is filled with contradiction and opportunities to um, sell yourselves and to, um, yeah, to to really like to be bought and to be, crushed by the institution but all of these opportunities i think are also opportunities to reinforce yourselves in your values in your beliefs and so like how we really sustain ourselves in 1919 is in the past through some grants we received by um, the canadian association of black journalists as well as um, new college at u of t um but even then we Grants will never be a way to support the work we do, and that's not something we um, that's not something we are ignorant to. And so, one thing that has really supported us has just been the donations from our community. Um, donations have went to paying um, the contributors in our magazines. Um, they went to paying digital contributors, photograph photographers, artists, um, just other cultural workers, um, a fair and competitive rate. Um, we also pay our freelance writers more than CBC, so, and they're a billion-dollar organization, so they need to get it together, but they won't. But, um, yeah, and they get, you know, billions from Justin Trudeau and all those guys. Um, we pay our DJs, uh, everyone on that radio, um, covering printing costs of our magazine, which is, really really expensive um but really important for us because i think having that print is just a, is a great way to explore these ideas and to feel these ideas as well in your hands and as you flip through the pages it's a really great feeling um and also small grants that we've used in our community organizing in our community initiatives um we hope to hopefully establish uh some kind of micro grant or some kind of like revolving grant where we can send that out to culture workers in need of assistance um this year um and it's also helped in our uh community programs we've done we've done like we partnered with the prisoner correspondence projects we've done the book job for federal prison libraries across canada um we've done some smaller things like pulling drives for uh, refugee claimants and asylum seekers in toronto um and we need money to do all of this whether it's to um circulate the funds or whether it's to buy resources um and i think that's the main thing the main way, like, monetarily to support 1919. All in the name of, like, redistributing this funding that we've received. Um, yeah, all of all of the, the money that we, we've gotten in the past has been through these donations. And for the sake of transparency, we definitely have to make it clear that we've never received any money from any big corporations or, um, like, politically... Yeah, no organizations that don't align with 1919 and our and our goals and our and our political ideologies. Um, so, yeah, that has sustained us just in terms of what we were able to do um, for the last few years. Um, and in the past year, actually, we've decided to try to develop something that can sustain our organizing in a more long term um, 
in a more long-term way and also in a way that kind of keeps us accountable to the people in our community that support us. Um, and so we launched alongside our recent issue, um, Homecoming, a membership subscription program. Um, and this is a program that, again, supports our projects, um, including our print and digital publication. All of this money goes toward the things that Caleb has said in terms of paying our digital and print writers, um, everything, all the costs and expenses that go towards running this um, independent organization, this independent publication. Um, and we hope to honor the labor of cultural workers and like recognize that this money needs to be redistributed um, from like within our community. Um, so our radio platform, 1919 Radio, this is a space obviously for music, conversation, political education. Um, our abolition arts and writing program and our youth arts um, writing workshops that we've done in the past. We have our community education platform, um, the community syllabus, which we spoke about and all these things in our ongoing commitment to build community power through various grassroots community initiatives that we organize with, um, like the partnerships that Caleb mentioned, like the Pen Paul program, the book drive. These are all things that can be funded um, in support through our membership subscription. Um, so we encourage people, um, people in our 1919 community members and non-members to contribute to this work how they see fit. Um, and yeah, we can support you in developing a project or a resource for your community. Also, yeah, one other thing I want to say, Shane, is that like, um, yes, the 1919 membership is a way to um, support us um, through like a small financial means, but it's also a way, and not just for people who, some people who don't have the means to support, like we also really encourage our community to just take part in um, revolutionary action um in whatever way that is um available to them there's just so many ways we can cultivate and develop um an abolished community and just a community in general because community is really what's going to save us or protect us from the violence of the state um the only way we can start to move away from the state is when we could show them that you know we have enough power we have enough structure we have enough organization to make the state obsolete um and it's important that um everyone in our community and black and Africans know that there's platforms like ours that exist, um, a space for collective learning for art um, and cultural work that's committed to making our struggle and our voices heard. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely important for us to note that um, m most people will probably think that the primary way to engage or to get their um, art or work seen and, and, and um, kind of submitted is through our print publication. Um, but like we said, there's so many different kind of platforms that we operate from. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to have your work seen, if you want to develop a project, um, community members, non-community members, people in our membership or not in our membership, we definitely want to see your work. We're definitely always like open and um, looking to receive um, pitches um, for our digital publication. Yeah, our, our next issue magazine um, call out for the submissions will be open. Um, there are many ways that you can support or to or be part of a 1919. We want you to um, see us kind of like as a space where your ideas can kind of come into fruition, whatever that looks like. Um, if you want to participate and organize alongside our team and our projects and support the coordination of all events, um, those opportunities also exist. It's just a matter of reaching out to us. There's many different ways. Um, 
people who are interested can engage with 1919 in the work that we do. Um, yeah, and all of our magazines, programs, and projects will always continue to remain open access online. You can find all the work that we've done, um, all of the publications that we've put out um, in PDF on our website, 1919mag.com. Um, and yeah, that, that those things are always there. It will always be free and open um, to access.